previously on ImpTab Avatar. Our knowledge seekers were once again in Wan Tong's library in the middle of the Siwang Desert, finalizing their preparations for their trip to Ba Sing Se. They gathered a whole bunch of books, they did some bonding, plotted some shenanigans, and got themselves on the back of a giant rhinoceros beetle on the way to the Misty Palms Oasis, which is the first stop and the last stop on the way to Ba Sing Se. When they arrived, they discovered that Tokushi, the mailman, who had been supposed to deliver a gift of some very special books from the Beifong family, had been waylaid along the way by a pack of buzzard wasps. He'd sailed a little bit too close to Siwang Rock in the middle of the desert, and they smelled some sweet bean paste that he had on his sand sailor, and they stole it and brought it back to the rock with them. So after commiserating with Takushi and his brother Bari, they decided that on the following day, they would go to Siwang Rock and try and retrieve the books and see what was going on in there. What's going to happen? Let's find out here in the world of ImpTab Avatar. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to ImpTab Avatar, the Avatar Legends actual play where we make up almost everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, your local firebender. McKenna Steele, your waterbender. And Christian Randall, the old man. I feel like I was really quiet on that one, and I'm very proud of myself. I am proud of you. You, you didn't even make the light go red on our microphone. Yes! <laughs> no, I did Well, balance in all things. That is the lesson of Avatar Legends. <laughs> yes. Well... Are our heroes feeling balanced currently? Uh, you guys had a pretty wild evening last night after the stint with some <laughs> cactus juice. I don't know what the effects of getting off cactus juice are like, but for the sake of keeping things moving forward, we'll say it's fine. I feel amazing. Yeah, you just got to stay hydrated. Make sure you get some actual water in you afterwards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I could go kill some bugs. Hey, wait, wait, wait. First, we need to do our morning squats. Come on. Come on, Jetsun. Jetsun, that's over here. Yep. Come on. Ready? I'll come up from my morning meditation and I'll hobble over. Squats? We're doing morning squats now? Indeed, yes. You can put your hands behind your head if you want to. You can put them out in front of you for balance, but you need to make sure that your hips dip below parallel with your knees. That's very important, my friend. I don't think I bend that way anymore. Oh, you will. Well, let's try. All right. Okay. <laughs> Roll to push your luck. Oh, here's our dice. I didn't realize we were just starting right into this. To push my luck? Yes. Oh, well, that is a natural 11 on the dice. Oh, yes. You're a born natural at the squat, <laughs> my friend. And to push your luck, that is rolling with passion, which, of course, makes it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> Still a full success, though. So your boldness pays off despite the cost. And I tell you what other lucky opportunity falls in your lap. Uh, you are gaining muscle mass. That is the lucky opportunity that falls in your lap. You're being so small. I feel the power. Ama, do you know why I love this place so much? As I continue to try and put my hips down and raise them back up. Because, I mean, that cactus juice pie was pretty amazing and you get to make them here, is that why? That is certainly a factor. But one of the reasons is all of this mist. It introduces an unusual opportunity as an airbender. 
And as I continue squatting, I'm just going to create little tornadoes in my hands. And because of the mist in here, you can actually see the little tornadoes forming. Most benders get to see how their bending works in most cases. But as an airbender, this is one of the few places I actually can see my bending at work. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's so cute. And as I continue, I push a little too hard and the little tornadoes end up pushing me down and I fall on my butt. Ah. <laughs> oh, I and got you. There Come it on. Is. Thank you. Thank you. You always need a spotter. That is very important as well, especially when we start adding weight. Wait. Yes, let's wait on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, are you both feeling a little bit more awake? Got your muscles and your blood pumping? Feel like you're ready to go? I'm spry as a desert hopper. That's cute. Amar, are you doing okay? You ready to go? I'm so ready. Let us go kill some skunk birds or some buzzard wasps or whatever. Perfect. All right. Well, I, while you guys were doing some squats, I was kind of popping in and out, loading some stuff up. So we are all ready to go. <gasps> Thank you. Don't think you have gotten away from the squats, though. We will take some more during lunch. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. I will be there 100%. Okay, good. Hey, Marmar, you too. I've seen those legs of yours. That's right. Looks down at his little <laughs> hamster legs that you can just, you basically only see the foot coming out of his big, massive fur. That's right. Look at those. You have some potential, but uh, we will have to work it out of you. Ned, is it possible on my... Well, I did say I don't really wear it very often, but if I am ever wearing like my shawl poncho combo, is it possible that I could have sewn on like a little tiny pouch on like the back of my shoulder where Marmar could climb into if he ever wanted to take a nap? There's like a little string he can pull to close it up. So if I'm ever in a fight or in trouble or something, he can hide in there so he doesn't go flying. Do they have a hood? I don't think they do. It's a poncho. Maybe. They can have hoods if you want them to. Yeah. Would the hood be too big for him? Like, I feel like he'd go flying out. If it's deep enough, he'd just, you know, chill in there. If you did modify your poncho, Shin Lai maybe wasn't super jazzed on it, but understood the practicality. Wanshi Tong does not care less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jetsun is definitely harping on you to make sure you wear it, though, so. Okay, cool. Anytime you don't wear it, you get a little knock on the head from my glider. That sounds about right. And back down into the front lobby of the inn where you're staying here, you see Tokushi and Bari have gotten up before you. They're a little bit more brisk, a little bit more clear-minded. Uh, they are not overcoming the effects of cactus juice. Uh, but seeing you walking down, they stand up with their packs on their backs. And Tokushi says, well, I'm ready to start heading out into the desert if you are. Absolutely. Uh, we've already done our morning routine and we're ready to go get some sweet beans and some sweet books. <laughs> and they lead you out into the desert outside and it's still nice and cool there's more mist here than usual because it's just the morning it's had time to cool off over the night and so it's hanging low all around the buildings you can see that people are walking through the mists leaving these swirling trails behind them as they're starting to get up there's you know obviously some dads who need to get up early to do their morning run <laughs> they've got like their tracksuits on their their avatar equivalent of tracksuits yeah. <laughs> um, as we are walking, I would like to, every now and then, if we get to like a particularly heavier patch of mist, just kind of bend some of that out of the air and put it into my waterbender pouch. So that way mm -hmm. 
I'm always trying to make sure that it's full so I'm not running out of anything. I wanna be very aware of that, so I'm trying to fill it up because I have a feeling we're also not gonna be in a good situation coming up here soon. Yeah, as you're walking along, Bari is talking about these buzzard wasps and like, and there was the one time I went in there with one of my associates and, you know, Tokushi said that his entire face swelled up with this guy. Next thing I knew, each of his legs looked like a tree trunk. Oh boy, Jetsun, that is what is going to happen to your legs in a few months, my friend. Ah, but in a good way, squats, you know, muscles. Oh, in a good way. I was worried. I still am worried, actually. <laughs> And they lead you to Bari's Sand Sailor. Tokushi's is obviously out of commission at the moment. But they get onto there. You guys have your beetle along with you. And off you go into the desert. And the entire time you're traveling, you can see there is that little compass on the front of Bari's Sand Sailor that is pointing them directly towards the Siwang Rock, the magnetic center of the desert. And sailing along, it's starting to get warmer. It's starting to get more hot and more oppressive. But before too long, you can see looming up on the distance a pillar straight up out of the earth, a mesa, the Siwang Rock itself. And the closer you approach, you can start to see there are these holes bored into the side of it. Some of them have this weird kind of yellowish greenish stuff coming out of them. And it's not much longer after that before you find yourselves at the base of this monolith. And the entire ride there, while Zaya is driving the beetle, I'm just going off and explaining what I understand of magnetism to Amar about how, which I am not 100% sure how accurate I am because my information does come from the library but magnetism might be something that's a little bit... I might use some spirits to explain how magnetism works. So, so you're telling me that there are girl spirits in one side and boy spirits in the other, and they're very attracted to each other, and they just, they're trying to get to one another? That's what you are saying to me right now. Absolutely. Uh, I asked Wan Shi Tong about it, and he laughed for some reason, but he said I was absolutely correct. Wow, I have to rethink my life if there are little tiny spirits everywhere, or at least in metal thing. I, I don't know. I've worked with a lot of metal, I think. Well, yes, I'm sure you, you may have an innate understanding for this, perhaps even more than I do, but uh, probably not. And the entire time, Bari and Tokushi are just kind of blissfully ignoring this conversation, but arriving finally at the base of the rock, they look upwards at all the various entrances that are dotting this place, and there are kind of some natural ledges that have been worn into the sides that have been, over time, defined a a little bit more by the walking of feet for those who are, for whatever reason, interested in getting to the top of this giant rock. Now, Ned, sorry, you had mentioned greenish, yellowish stuff, and I missed what that was. It appears to be sort of a viscous, almost honey-like material coming out of the holes in the rock. Okay. Uh... It's, it's <laughs> just how the rock works. You know, Sokka walked inside and he licked some of it and said it tasted like rotting penguin flesh. Seal flesh? Some kind of rotting flesh. I think it was a penguin seal its avatar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so once we're there, I'll turn to Takushi and I'll say, so when your sand sail was taken, do you happen to remember whereabouts they flew it off to or were you simply making haste away? I was getting as far away as I possibly could in that moment, so I didn't see necessarily which entrance they went into, but there's, a, there's quite a lot of them in there. And he's just kind of rubbing his head, looking up at all of these different entrances. Well, the best way to start something is to begin. So up and at him. And I'm going to take my glider and I'm going to start shuffle, shuffle, click, shuffle, shuffle, click, walking up the rock and poking my head into the holes and seeing if it looks big enough for a sail to go in. Yeah, roll to assess the situation. 
a nine. All right, partial success. So you can ask one of the associated questions. I will ask, what's the best way into the rock? Yeah, as you're walking up, looking into various of these holes and tunnels, you see at one point stuck in that weird wasp honey is what appears to be a flyer of some sort. And you look even closer and it is an advertisement for the beetle-headed merchants trying to like drum up business for people delivering stuff through the Siwang Desert. And Tokushi, you show that to him and he goes, Oh, I was supposed to deliver some of those back to Ba Sing Se, and uh, unfortunately appears that, you know, the, that's probably not going to be very salvageable. And he points a little bit further, and you can see there's this trail of flyers stuck to the honey. That as you're getting closer to the top, they're becoming more prolific. There's just more of them stuck into this honey moving up. So they just brought it up to the top. It's kind of what it looks like to me. Perhaps we're lucky and we don't have to go traversing through these terrifying arteries of darkness. Takushi, how much trouble are you going to be in? Well, with the beetle-headed merchants, uh, it looks like that's not exactly a redeemable delivery, so they're probably not going to be too happy happy with me. Uh, Lang Yin is already unhappy with me, so there's potential to maybe redeem myself a little bit if we can find some of that sweet bean left over. Uh, Wan Shi Tong's obviously the one that I'm most worried about because he's a spirit and could do weird spirit things to me. Uh, I don't know how in trouble I'm going to be until we find my sailor and what all is on there, but I'm hoping that I won't be in a ton of trouble. Tokushi, I hope we can help you because Wan Shi Tong might he might sick the, the magnetism spirits on you and, you know, maybe you're suddenly walking on the walls or something. It would be bad. <laughs> and he looks at you with a furrowed brow. The magnetism spirits, of course. I'm going to immediately look at Jetsoon and just like, no, it's not correct. <sighs> Okay. Why did you read it in an encyclopedia? One of many that we have, yes. Oh, well, my area of focus is uh, elsewhere anyway, so probably doesn't matter. Won't come up again, I'm sure. <laughs> Onward and upward. And you continue to the top and you can see at one point, uh, you're getting closer to this one particular hole that is pretty wide, wide enough to fit an entire sand sailor in there. Continuing, you can see places where it's like scraped up against the walls, dragged some crevices in this honey that's caking stuff all over the place. So it appears that this is your place and you can hear just this very slight occasional humming noise coming from inside. Oh no. It Piers, I spoke too early. Uh, Amar, would you do us the honor of giving us some light as we go into here? I don't know how comfortable I would feel defending any of you in a dark cavern. I, these old eyes aren't what they used to be. Yes, of course. And uh, I'm going to scoop up like a stick and I'm actually going to dip it in the weird yucky honey stuff and light that on fire to see if I can make a little bit of a makeshift torch here. All right. We are <laughs> establishing the flammability of this honey. Very good. Okay, this, should, uh, this should last us in that way. You know, my hands can be free if we need to burn any buzzard wasps or anything like that. But also, if we do need to use some of your uh, some of your fire bending, be careful so that if you start blasting, it's not going to set the whole place on fire. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> I mean, popped in my mind. Ned, is this stuff burning pretty well? <laughs> Should we be concerned? Uh, roll just a luck check and we'll, we'll see how flammable it is based off of that. I don't think there's necessarily a precedent for the flammability of buzzard wasp honey in the established canon, but that means it's is a... Is honey it, flammable? It's a little space that we get to fill in. I mean, it's buzzard wasp honey. They're weird. That is true. Buzzards are flammable. I mean, Wasps are flammable. Most things are flammable if you get them hot enough. That is a 
sentence I live by, my friend. Um, I rolled a nine. Nine? Pretty flammable, it turns out. It's definitely not like instant ah! spreading, but it's as flammable as we'll say like a nice resin-soaked pine or something like that. Okay, yeah. I would be careful. Also, I know we are dealing with like books and stuff that I do not want to light on fire. I should probably be careful. Yes. Yeah, because you're still a little bit on trial period, so if you upset Wanshu Tong, I really can't vouch for you then. That's right. He might sick the magnetism spirits on me. I was sure it wouldn't come up again. <laughs> yeah, continuing down into this tunnel, you can see the light reflecting and refracting in weird ways through the honey, and the walls at points look like they're shining, made of like a glimmering amber. At times, it's almost like you're underwater with these weird waves kind of being reflected all over the place. That's cool. As you continue on down in there, Amar, you're kind of leading up the operation here. You've got the torch. Let's mm -hmm. have you rely on your skills and training. You have a little bit of experience with breaking into places unseen. Let's see how sneaky you guys are. All right, that's an 11. Hey. Very nice. Yeah, on a hit, you do it. So you're walking along through the tunnels and you're following the scrapes on the walls. Eventually it gets to the point where even among kind of the weird putrid scent of the honey on the walls, you start to catch that sweet bean smell coming from further in. And you reach a corner and you lean around it very slowly and you find yourself in the middle of a nest of buzzard wasps here. The sand sailor is in the very middle of this cavern and there are little hexagonal cells that have been bored into the stone walls and you can see sleeping inside of each one of those is a buzzard wasp. It's not necessarily a huge cavern that you're in here so it's not an excessive amount of buzzard wasps but they are asleep all of them kind of hanging up above the sand sailor and you can see on top of the sand sailor are still a few boxes tied down that haven't been removed from here. One of them is torn open and you see that's where the flyers are coming from, but the others, it seems they haven't been able to break in quite yet. Amar, how do things look up there? There's a lot of buzzard wasps. Yeah, uh, Jet Soon, as you call up ahead, roll to push your luck to see if you wake up any of these buzzard wasps. Mm, that's I was to end you. I was either going to yell or sneeze. <laughs> I can't with you. Double threes, oh. which is six. Seven, adding in your passion. Oh, I believe adding in my passion, that's a actually a five. Oh my I have a minus one oh to passion. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> well, on a miss, that sounds like it's definitely time for me to pull a hard move here. You call <laughs> forward and... Amar, you respond back to him. You turn back to face Jetsun. And then when you turn back to look into the cavern, you see that one of the wasps is already looking you in the face <laughs> and the rest of them are starting to crawl out of their crevices. Yes. No. I have been uh, so hungry for a fight. I am going to reflexively burn this big old buggity bug right in front of me. All right. Yeah, sounds to yeah. me then like it's time to get into our first exchange of the campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Right, I'm excited. We haven't had a fight yet. So you guys are getting into this combat here. Uh, it's you guys versus the swarm of buzzard wasps. Uh, there's only one swarm of wasps at the moment, uh, but there are other branching tunnels and paths here in Siwang Rock. So you might attract some other wasps. We'll have to see what happens. But for now, just you and the one swarm. So starting off, do we have anybody who would like to defend and maneuver? 
All right, then. Do we have anybody who would like to advance and attack? I do. I'd like to advance and attack. Uh, I would like to advance and attack as well. All right. The wasps are also going to advance and attack. We have nobody defending and maneuvering, so we're just going to get straight into advance and attack. All of you roll with passion to see how many techniques you get. All right. I got an eight. I got an eight as well. Guys, I also got an eight. Wow. Look at this group acting in perfect unity. So we're going to uh, expand a little bit more on what's called the stance move that we just rolled. In all of our one shots, we only had to worry about the basic techniques. But now that we're actually in a campaign where we can start learning new combat techniques, there are different degrees of how well you have these learned. So initially, when you first learn a new technique, it is at the learned stage. And each of our players have one technique at the learned stage that they got to choose at the very beginning. And a basic technique, you can use that at any time. You've got it mastered, know it like the back of your hand, don't have to worry about it. If you want to progress this from being learned to practice to eventually mastered, when you're rolling for the stance technique and you roll a 10+, plus, you have the option to use one of your learned techniques and eventually progress that up to a practiced and then mastered. But if you only roll a partial success, then you only get to use a basic or a mastered technique. A little crunchy getting into some of the rules there. Is that making sense for all the players so far? Yeah, good to know as well. I forgot about that rule. I have a universal one called Disorient, and it was already marked as mastered. Yeah, so each playbook comes with its own special technique that is mastered from the very beginning. Oh, and that one's mine. Okay. So you can use those the same way that you would use a basic technique, but your refresh technique, which you, as we established earlier, haven't quite figured out all of those healing techniques yet, that's going to be a bit of a journey you're going to have to go on to be able to use that with the same level of finesse. Okay. But yeah, as it stands, each of you rolling a partial success on the stance move can choose one basic technique or your master technique to use in this exchange here. I want to use my master technique. Go for it. All right. I am assuming I hear the buzzing get a little louder, so I'm going to run up there and I'm going to yell, duck! And then I'm going to throw one of my rings of water. These are not ducks. They are buzzard wasps. <laughs> and Bari from the back is just like, it's an important distinction. <laughs> oh, okay, so it says, pummel an engaged foe with quick blows. Mark one fatigue to shift their balance away from center. Yeah, so these buzzard wasps, as you come in here and you start tossing your water loops at them, they were not expecting to see you. All they saw was just this single firebender with this torch. You show up out of nowhere and you start tossing these water loops in there and they start getting very riled up. Their drive is to protect their hive. And so you move their balance one up in the direction of defense and they're getting a little bit more agitated at the moment. So they are currently at plus one on their balance track. Was that good? I felt like I did something bad. So like we talked about, there are pros and cons with shifting balance. An NPC, the way that they determine how many moves they can use in a combat, how many techniques, is based off of their current balance level. They get to choose one plus their balance. It doesn't come into effect until next exchange, so they're still only going to get to use one technique this round. But these guys are a minor swarm. They only have plus two on their balance track, which means it's easier to get them to lose their balance if you push Mm. them hard enough. So it's just different switches and dials that you can use to try and eventually get what you're hoping. Okay, sweet. Well, you're welcome. And in response to this, the buzzard wasps 
feeling more agitated in their desire to defend, they're going to use their swarm technique, uh, which is advance and attack. They are going to throw themselves upon a single foe with no heed for their own safety. I'm going to just roll to see whether they want to go for Amar or Zaya. And they're going for Zaya, the person who's been tossing the water loops at them. That's valid. And so the Buzzard Wasps <laughs> are going to mark one fatigue in order to inflict two fatigue on Zaya. Ooh, wow. And so all of these wasps come in from all sides, and they just converge on you, kind of ignoring Amar, not even yet knowing that Jetsun is there. Uh, I, you're, you have good perfume on. You, you always make sure you freshen up in the morning, so these buzzard wasps are just <laughs> like, oh yeah, this one smells good. Let's take her down. That is going to do it for the buzzard wasps. We still have Jetsun and Amar. Uh, I will stick the torch, like wedge it in a rock on the side, so that we can still have light and I have both hands free. Are they still swarming on Zaya? Yes. Yeah. I am going to two-handed use my fine, precise streams of fire and burn as many of those off of her as I can. All right. Which technique would you like to use with that? I'm going to use pressure and flail around with some fire, try to get them to back off. Yeah, they are freaked out by all of this fire. They are somewhat acutely aware of how flammable their honey is, <laughs> and so they're kind of backing off away from you. They don't want to get too involved. Which approach are they not going to be able to use next exchange? I choose that they cannot advance an attack. All right. Yeah, you go rushing in there with your flames. They all disengage from Zaya. Some of them fly back into their little alcoves and are kind of huddling up, shaking in there. But yeah, they will not be able to continue advancing and attacking on you for the next exchange, at least. That will keep them away for a while. Are you okay, Zaya? Uh, I, I mean, I've been better, but I, I'm okay. Okay, Just good. feel like I need to switch my perfume now. Don't really want to wear that one again. It, <laughs> it's a good one. I mean, you, you shouldn't because it smells good. Thanks. Then you hear Jetsoon, his sandals flapping against his feet as he's like, is <gasps> like running in there and he pulls his glider out and just with one powerful shove, he just shouts, walls of wind. <laughs> and I'm going to use the smash. To smash, I mark one fatigue to destroy or destabilize something in the environment, possibly inflicting or overcoming a fictionally appropriate positive or negative status. I would like to try to take this wall of wind and pull the air from the tunnel we went into and close off the other entrances so hopefully we don't get a bunch of other swarms coming in oh, this way. Oh, very interesting. It's kind of like those air blade hand dryers where as you move your hand through it, it just <laughs> has all this resistance. So you put up these walls of air and Hmm, which of these statuses is going to be most appropriate? We could say that the buzzard wasps are impaired, that they have to mark one fatigue or take a minus two to all physical actions in the next exchange. I will just impair them if possible. Cool, yeah. So now you've set up this safeguard against these wasps being able to come in and join in the fray. What we're going to do now is at the end of this first exchange, uh, let's have the one of you with the highest passion score roll to push your luck to see if you can avoid attracting any more wasps. Okay. A 10? 10, that is a full success. <laughs> so on a hit, you succeed. It's going to cost you a little bit to scrape by, but despite the cost, I'm going to tell you what other lucky opportunity falls in your lap. 
So you've been making some noise in here. Uh, it's a bit of a ruckus, but these wasps who are coming in from the other tunnels to try and grab you, they are being buffeted by the wind walls that Jetsoon put up in the first place. And the other lucky opportunity that's going to come your way is some of them are going to see the fire in there that Amar is shooting off, and they are additionally pretty frightened by that. I am going to mark one condition on them. That condition is frightened. Nice. Yeah. Yes. And so since we're getting ourselves back into the mode of combat, I'm going to keep you guys sort of up to date with what's going on with the wasps. They are currently at plus one on their balance track. They only have plus two as their maximum, so they're getting kind of close to being over the edge. One of their five fatigue is marked, and one of their three conditions are marked. That is where we are at currently. Which of those avenues you want to pursue to try and get them out of the fight? Up to you. Okay. So now, is there anything that you guys want to do before the buzzard wasps try and regroup on? Between every exchange, we have an opportunity to just kind of reset our bearings, etc., etc. Did we have a plan for getting this sand sailor out of here? If we all grab a corner, can we carry it out? A plan would have been a good thing to make. <laughs> so Kushi and his brother aren't benders, are they? They are sand benders. There's sand probably in here, right? Sand finds its way everywhere. Exactly. So it's very safe to assume that there's some sand in here. Takushi, you and your brother start getting this glider out of here. We're non-combatants, so that sounds like a good way to use our energy. And they start <laughs> rushing into the room and begin bending the sand. There's not a whole ton of sand in here, so it's going to be a bit of slow going unless you give them a bit of an extra boost. But they are starting to move the sand sailor out of the cavern. Like possibly, I don't know, like a big gust of air. That would probably be really helpful. <laughs> Onward and upward. All right. The buzzard wasps at this point are starting to regroup. They are ready to enter into the next exchange. Do we have anybody who wants to defend and maneuver? I do. All right. Advance and attack. Me. And evade and observe. That'll be me. Awesome. So we're going to start with defend and maneuver. Amar, roll focus. That's a 12, baby. Very nice. So you get to use two mastered or basic techniques, or you could potentially try and use your learn technique by marking one fatigue. You put a foe off balance by luring them in. Name a foe you lure. If they don't attempt to either inflict fatigue condition, balance shifts, or negative status on you by the end of the exchange, it must mark minus two fatigue. I'm doing it. All right. And because of the fact that you already prevented them from advancing and attacking, their opportunities to inflict fatigue conditions or balance shifts on you are pretty limited combo move <laughs> all right so yeah i am going to as i see my friends getting this glider out i see jet soon getting ready to do his thing to get it out of here i'm going to run into the center of where all of these buzzard wasps are huddling back in their little crevices and i mean what do you, what do you do to lure giant buzzard wasps at you i'm just gonna spread my arms shake your booty <laughs> and say, I am very tasty. You should come and get me. And start just like running through Nina, the catacombs. Nina, Nina. <laughs> nanny, nanny, boo, boo. All right, you successfully attract the attention of the buzzard wasps. They see that now that your fire is put out, they're not going to worry so much about trying to stay away from you. They're like, okay, now it's time to get this guy. So that is your first technique. Would you like to use a second technique for your 12? I'll use seize a position. I'm running, I'm taunting them. They're going to get ready to go after me, but I'm also going to make sure that I can make a speedy escape if necessary. All right. 
So you are getting yourself down low. You've been squatting, so you've got a very good horse stance, and you're ready to just book it out of there at any moment. You, because of your seizing a position, I'll say you can give yourself a positive status. The one that that seems like to me would be you're prepared. You're ready for what's coming, and you can clear that prepared status to take plus one to an appropriate roll or avoid marking the condition. Cool, I will do that. Now, the buzzard wasps are also defending and maneuvering. They're going to try and seize a position as well, some of the ones that are closer to the mouth of the cave, they're going to try and, like, get in the way of those rushing walls of wind that Jetsun established. They, like, crawl in and spread out their wings to try and block it so that they can overcome that impaired status that you inflicted earlier. That does it for Defend and Maneuver. That brings us to Zaya, who's advancing and attacking. Roll with passion. Six. Ooh, that is a miss. You can still shift your balance one to use a single technique. I'm going to shift my balance towards action. Makes sense. You're not going to let your friends down. I am going to strike. Would you like to mark one fatigue of your own to choose the effect on them, or would you like to let them choose? I'm going to let them choose. All right. Describe your strike to me, and based on that, we'll determine which option they choose. You said that some were heading towards Amar, and then some were trying to get out of the way of the winds. Amar, I feel like you can handle yourself, if I'm being honest, because they seem pretty scared of your fire. So I am going to go put my hand towards my water pouch and kind of like, as you would like, throw a frisbee, throw a couple water rings at the ones that are trying to get out of the way of the winds, those ones. As you toss the water rings in their direction, it reminds them of that initial attack that you came in with and how that spurs them to want to defend even more. They're going to shift their balance one additional step. So they're at plus two defense right now. They're going to get three techniques in the next exchange, but they're really close to going over the edge. With that, we're going to go to evade and observe with Jetsoon. Clear one fatigue and roll with creativity or harmony. After that first big attack, I take a minute and have to... I clear that fatigue, I take that deep breath, and that's an 11. Very nice. You get two basic or mastered, or you can spend one fatigue to use your learn. The first one I'm going to use is slide around the blow, one of my mastered techniques. I move perfectly, slipping past strikes and demanding an opponent's attention. A foe I am engaged with must remain engaged with me and can only use techniques against me in the next exchange. Ooh. I'm basically just Legend of Korra going through those uh, wind blades. Ooh. You know that part? Mm-hmm. That part's cool. Yeah, so I'm just like dodging around their wings and being all airbendy. And because of that, I would like to use my second Evade and Observe to test their balance. Mm. And as I glide through them and they are unable to touch me, I would like to shift their balance towards defending their nest one more time. Yeah, what does it look like? So you're already right up in the middle of them. You're slipping and sliding around each one of their attacks. You're frustrating them. What do you do that kind of pushes them over the edge? I take that blade of air I've been continually whipping around the room to keep people out, and I push it just a little bit harder against the wall, so all of that honey that they've been collecting and building up starts getting ripped away from the wall, and all that work they've put in is now being undone. Yeah, so at this moment, they just completely lose it. They go ballistic. They are 
are so annoyed by you at this point, they lose their balance. And when you lose your balance, you obsess over the principle to a degree that's not healthy for you or anyone around you. Choose one of the following. Give in or submit to your opposition. Lose control of yourself in a destructive and harmful way. Or take an extreme action in line with the principle, then flee. They're going to lose control of themselves in a harmful and destructive way. You see that they are all swarming in on you. They're not even concerned necessarily about their comrades. They're just trying to get at you. They're slamming into each other. They're bending their wings. They're battering and bruising each other. And because they're so focused on you, they don't even notice Bari and Tokushi slowly and steadily sandbending the sand sailor out of the tunnel and further towards the entrance. And by the time they're far enough away to not even be in danger anymore, these wasps are so exhausted that they just collapse onto the ground. And once that happens, all the air sort of calms in the room and I click my staff down on the ground and I turn to the other two and I say, I call that the dance of the buzzard wasps. Shuffle, shuffle, click, shuffle, shuffle, click. And I start making my way out of the cave. <laughs> Amar. Yeah. I always think because he's ancient that he can't do anything. But sometimes he just pulls random crap like that right out of thin air. And it really, honestly, sometimes... It, it, it makes me a little scared of him. That was pretty incredible. I mean, we all worked together. That was pretty cool. We had some cool team moments, but man, he was the finisher there. Yeah, maybe we should keep him doing these squats. I, I think it's really <laughs> helping, but we don't want him to get too powerful, you know? That's true. So you and I do some too. Uh, as you're mentioning him being the finisher, let's have you guys roll to push your luck one more time to see if any other swarms of wasps hear you. Okay, that is an eight. So you do it, but it's going to cost you to scrape by. So at this point, like you're moving out of the tunnel, your procession is moving forward, but you do hear right behind you that buzzing as another swarm of wasps that had been coming in from further away has finally reached the scene to see what's going on. And they see all of you running away with their prize. They are not directly engaged with you, so we're not technically in an exchange, uh, but we might get back into an exchange depending on what you guys do next. So if we're not technically in combat, can I do something to deter them? I know they don't like fire. Can I light some <laughs> of the honey behind us on fire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Throw the I stick. I think that is probably simple enough that we can have you rely on your skills and training. That's an eight, so I'm scraping by again. Yeah, so you do it <laughs> imperfectly. I tell you how your approach might lead to unaccepted consequences, and you have to accept those or mark one fatigue. You light the wall on fire and you see it starting to spread towards the wasps. They're freaking out. They're starting to rush back down the other tunnels to get away from it. What you didn't notice is that you've been in all of your fervor, like especially as Jetsoon started just blowing that honey all over the place. You've all got some of that honey on your clothes now. Whoa. Okay. So all right. you can accept that complication or mark one fatigue. I don't have any fatigue marked. I almost feel bad just like, no. <laughs> but heck, I'll mark a fatigue. I want to save my friends. I think you look down. You notice that you guys are all covered in honey. You see the fire starting to spread towards yourself. And you're like, 
Time to book it, time to book it, time to book it. Hence the marking of the fatigue. And so you guys are all rushing away. You can feel the heat of the fire starting to follow after you. It's almost like Indiana Jones running away from the boulder, except (laughs) if the boulder was actually fire. And uh, you guys are rushing towards the entrance as fast as you can. And Bari and Takushi have very calmly made it to the entrance at this point. And they're like, I wonder how our friends are doing. And they look back and see you lit from behind, all running towards them. And they're like, oh, get on the glider. Get on, get on the glider, get on the glider. And as you guys leap on top of it, in a very cinematic moment, the fire explodes out behind you and the sand sailor goes shooting off the side (laughs) and you're going down, plummeting towards the ground there. Can I, in a moment of instinct, pull out my own glider and use some airbending to kind of glide us both to the sand safely? Yeah, roll to push your luck. That's a seven. All right. So you do it, but it costs you. You continue down and you're heading towards the ground. It's coming up towards you with your little buffer than they were before legs. You grab onto the (laughs) sand sailor. You're holding your glider above your head. And it's kind of like any number of Spider-Man instances where he's like trying to stop something from moving to its destruction. You can feel the strain between your hands and your legs. Bari and Tokushi, at the last moment, they bring up some sand to try and cushion your impact, but you land a bit harder than you were expecting. You're all a little bit jarred and a little bit jostled. You look back and you can see the fire coming out of that entrance and starting to creep its way down the side. The thing that it cost you is as you were flying out, you noticed that the package of books from the Beifong family ripped open and some of the books have been scattered down the side of the mountain as you guys were escaping. That's not good. I'm going to keep gliding Okay. because I'm on my glider. I'm just going to zip on up there and try and grab those books as fast as possible to get away from that fire. I am going to bend water to try and put the fire out. That's getting close to the books. Don't get the books wet. Don't get them wet. All right. So (laughs) the two of you working in tandem, I'll say whichever of you has the higher passion. So Zaya, let's have you roll to push your luck. And then Jetsun, we can have you take the help action. You can mark 115 to give Zaya a plus one if you would like. You should do that definitely going to do that. Marking a fatigue to get a plus one. Although, will it even help? It well, doesn't. yeah, it pushes it to a seven. Okay. Yeah, so it takes it from being a total failure to at least a partial success. So we keep having costs. Yeah, so <laughs> Zaya, you go up there and you're using your water bending to try and keep the fire out of the way as Jetsun's going in grabbing all the books. But at the last moment, you're like, okay, I'm out of water. It's all evaporated. Not even Jetsun's tears are left in there. <laughs> so you have to pull off your poncho and start batting at the fire with it to keep her from getting close to the final book. It's very much like in Attack of the Clones where Anakin loses his lightsaber in the droid factor and it's like, not again. Shin Lai's going to kill me. <laughs> We're going to have to get another poncho for you. Or we could just leave it with kind of like a little bit of the tattered look it's got now. It kind of looks cool. It's completely unprofessional. (laughs) I'm going to start hobbling down the way, holding the books safely and like dusting off the sand and making sure they, they are safe. And as you gather back together with your cargo safe in tow, minus one poncho, you start sailing off back towards the Misty Palms Oasis with Bari and Tokushi, and I think that is where we're going to pick up next time. But first, it's time (gasps) to 
ask some growth questions. <gasps> wow! We're at that point. So wow. we're looking at doing this every three sessions? Yeah, so in the book, it realizes that some people's sessions are longer, some people's sessions are shorter. In words, it says you ask them at the end of each session, but... I think we're just going to kind of sense out when's a good moment for it. This is a pretty pivotal experience. You finally had your first big fight together. So we're going to ask these questions, starting with the first one. Did you learn something challenging, exciting, or complicated about the world? Amar, I taught you all about magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> magnetism is so complicated. I don't even know how the attractions work. I would say, I think we all learned that buzzard wasp honey essentially is flammable and that was put to some really good use. I mean, that's something we could add to the library even. Mm -hmm. Information about the buzzard wasp mm -hmm. honey. And possibly, if we see it later, used to some advantage. Yeah, we could use it to light lanterns in the library. We should have collected some and put them in, like, glass bottles and make, like, <laughs> Molotov cocktails. <laughs> oh <my laughs> Before we get too much further with that, I'm going to accept that and you can use <laughs> the growth for that. Question number two. Did you stop a dangerous threat or solve a community problem? Yes, we did. We got the sweet beans. We got the sweet beans, and that guy can finally get what his wife wanted from the uh, from the Misty Palms Oasis. Mm -hmm. And we we stopped the buzzard wasp from terrorizing the locals. <laughs> mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah. That's definitely a community problem. Yeah. And yeah. question number three, did you guide a companion towards balance or end the session at your center? Uh, again, all of these are individual questions. So some of you might be able to check this one off. Some of you might not. I cannot check this one off. Mm. I am center. Sorry, I didn't help you. It's all it's good. okay. I helped you. Guys, I don't know about you, but this knowledge seeker job, if it is this exciting all the time, I am in. This is great. <laughs> So yeah, not all of us will be able to mark all of the questions every time, but you know, that's life. Now, each of you also has an additional question that is unique to your specific playbook. Yeah, let's start with Jetsun, cause I'm on his sheet. Did you help a companion find a significant success with their issues or lead the group in finding a significant collective success? Um, well, based on that conversation the other two had, I feel like, yes. I feel like that is a collective success we all had with me taking the helm there at the end to bring it home. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Zaya. Your special question, did you improve the lives of a community of average citizens or help an ordinary person with their problems? I would say yes, because we helped our sweet, sweet mailman to collect his things. Also helped the community of average citizens get their shipment of sweet beans for their ice cream and mochi. Indeed. And then <laughs> Amar, the final one. Did you try to make amends for past mistakes or prove you're a different person now? I'd say yes. I'd say that helping to recover some knowledge and, and helping to save these newfound friends as a group, but helping to assist in that, I'd say that is helping make amends for some of my thievery and stuff in the past. Yeah, I'd say that makes sense as well. So with that, have any of you reached four growth? You got three of them. Dang it. I believe both Amar and I got all four. All right. That being the case, you can now clear all four of those and mark one advancement. All right. I'll give you guys some extra time to decide what you want your advancement to be. And at the beginning of our next episode, we can share those with the group here. Cool. All right. Well, 
Everybody, thanks so much for joining us for this very exciting first ever combat for this campaign. We'll be back next time with more adventures in the world of Avatar Legends. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe, maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as Tokushi is knowing that he's not going to get Wanshi Tong super angry at him if you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're all over social media as well, at Improv Tabletop. So if you'd like to connect with us, maybe you want to talk with Christian about the upcoming Magic the Gathering set and what he's excited for, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Let's do a round of plugs. Christian, would you like to take that this time? Absolutely. As always, we have our sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, a 5e actual play that has our good keeper, Ned, here as a full-time player. Uh, What else do we have? Always check out our other campaigns. We also have the Fate games we play, which are every month, a whole new world and setting. And in that one, we make up everything on the spot, fully improv and uh, always an exciting adventure to see how off the rails we can get. And I believe those are all the necessary plugs. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share with us that brings some joy into your own life? Well, McKenna's looking at me, telling me that I should say her with her eyeballs. But what I've really <laughs> been excited about recently is hot sauce. Ooh. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love spicy food. Specifically, I really love a good Southeast Asia India spice, mm. like a good heat from like a korma or like something like that. Oh, that, that is amazing. But we recently tried a new hot sauce from our home state of Tennessee from Lynchburg, and it was knock your socks off, make you cry, make you sweat hot. If you've got any local hot sauces that you want to recommend, again, shout them out to us. We will. I will give them a try. Maybe if we ever do a Patreon, that'll be that'll like a be, bonus That'll content. be like one of the things is, is watching <laughs> me, me trying to eat the hot sauces you guys have recommended. <laughs> if you guys, I guess, want to see me cry, recommend, recommend some really hot ones. Yeah, I'll, I will prime the pump. Uh, it's not a hot sauce per se, but uh, just yesterday at the local Korean food truck, I tried tteokbokki for the first time. It's kind of a pressed rice dumpling cake in a very spicy sauce. It was it was so, so good. I don't know if there's a Korean place near you guys, but go try that. You guys are making me so hungry right now. That sounds good. There's gotta be. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining us here in the world of ImpTab Avatar, 10,000 Things. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by... Caleb Anderton, playing Amaru Kami, the magnetism spirit. McKenna Steele, <laughs> just Zaya, just playing Zaya. And Christian Randall, playing Jetsoon of the Library, friendly neighborhood airbender. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next time on ImpTab Avatar. It's almost like Indiana Jones running away from the boulder, except <laughs> if the boulder was actually fire. And the boulder is fire. <laughs> fire Lord. Anyway, uh, you. Fire Lord Boulder. Fire, Lord. fire Nation Man and the Boulder teaming up for the tag team of a lifetime. <laughs>